diversity has to be true for all of us. And so far, the diversity conversation tends to exclude white men. And I think we need to include white men and we need to talk about diversity holistically and get beyond the superficial because the visible stuff is easy. It's the invisible stuff that's hard. And we have more invisible stuff than we have visible stuff. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Halon Tax. As a new business owner and first-time tax filer, I needed a peace of mind knowing that my S-Corp return was done correctly. I signed up for Halon Tax, connected to my QuickBooks Online, filled out about four fields in a wizard, clarified two small items with the Halon Tax team. A few days later, I got a text telling me my return was finished. I launched Halon Tax and e-signed my return. The whole end-to-end process was painless and frankly, kind of amazing. Now, Halon Tax is working with bookkeepers and accountants like yourself to offer the same amazing experience to your small business clients. They're even offering a one-year free trial to all your clients. This even includes your own dedicated tax CPA. To learn more about this exciting offer from Halon Tax, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash Halon Tax. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash H-A-L-O-N-T-A-X. And oh yeah, Halon Tax works great with zero and wave too. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm your host, David Leary. And I'm Jana Etienne. Jana, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. As I was configuring and getting our tech checks done, you started to talk about the diversity topic, which we'll discuss a little bit today. Before we jump in, um, please introduce yourself. I'm, I think a lot of our listeners may not know who you are. You mentioned this is your first Scaling New Heights. That is correct. And so who are you? How'd you get here? And we'll start from there. Who am I? What a great question. So I'm a CPA and I live in Maryland. I had a 26-year career in public accounting. I started out in the big eight. Um, I started at Touche Ross, and then I had my own firm for about 17 years. Left there, I was director of taxation at the AICPA for about five years. Left there, I was CEO at the National Association of Black Accountants for two years. Then after I left there, I started a consulting business with my husband that led me to my current role, which is director for diversity and inclusion at Grant Thornton. So I was uh, going through the uh, list of speakers here this year and trying to figure out, like, there's only so many people I could pick to interview. And I was like, oh, here's somebody I don't know who they are. And it's a topic that we talked about on the podcast a lot, diversity. So it's fairly broad. Like, what does that mean when you're, that's your role at, at uh, Grant Thornton? You know, I don't really have a good answer for that. And you think I would because it's my role. But most people think of diversity and inclusion um, in a very narrow way. They think of it in terms of what are the work we're doing to get more racial diversity in our pipeline, like hiring in diversity, ethnicity, race? What are we doing around gender? Or what are we doing about policies for LGBTQ employees or things like that? Like that's the way most people look at diversity. I look at it more broadly. At Grant Thornton, we talk about bringing your whole self to work. Well, I like to talk about diversity and inclusion in that space because diversity is really just counting difference. That's all it is. And that's easy. I can do it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Sort of, not really. Inclusion, on the other hand, is all about culture. It's about the company's intention for people to feel like they're safe and can show up and belong and be included. But it's also my ability to show up and navigate a space that says I can be myself. And in business, at least when I was growing up, I mean, I'm a little older now. But when I started in business, it felt like this is not the place for this was business, not personal. Right. So leave your personal stuff at home and just come to work. And you would only bring a certain part of yourself to work. And today people want to bring they just want to come to work without having to cover. They want to come to work without having to leave part of themselves behind. So so for you correctly, diversity to you is kind of uh, more of um, not assimilating. 
and just being like every single other person at work or at a company. It's it's being your individual self, and that's going to lend to diversity regardless of yeah. skin color or any of the other ways we'd like to measure that. Right. There's a there's a really great model that I looked at that looked at what does inclusion really mean, and it's it's a mix of belonging and uniqueness. So if you belong someplace, but you're covering up or you're hiding or you're not bringing your true self, you're really just assimilating, which is what you were just talking about. The other extreme of that is you respect me for my subject matter expertise. You know, I stand out and I and, and people see me and they know me, but I don't belong to any group. So that's called differentiation. Mm-hmm. And both of those are more common than inclusion, which is I get to be my odd, quirky self and still be part of the group. You still invite me to go bowling or you still invite me to go to the bar or you still invite me to do the things, even though I wouldn't ordinarily be included in your group because based on some of the old rules, if it was the the thing that only the guys do, they don't invite the women. I mean, looking at diversity and inclusion as how do we get people to feel comfortable enough at work to relax because then they're going to bring us their best thinking. Then they're going to do their best work. It's also about companies, though talking more about their value as a company and their vision for the culture of in, in their company or in their firm so that I, the employee or the prospective employee, know that that's a place where I want to work because it aligns with my values or my okay. goals and my vision. And so DNI covers like all that stuff today. The old versions of DNI were more like EEOC stuff. Numbers and counts. Yeah, it's race, it's religion, it's gender, it's sexual identity, it's veteran status, it's disability or not disability. And is it, so do you help like run management programs and management training so people can pull those best selves out of their employees or just do you have official programs? Like how do you run that? So we have eight business resource groups for different categories of diversity to allow people to connect across the firm. So most CPA firms, at least I know for our, the bigger ones, are going to be organized audit, tax, consulting. And so people tend to stay in those silos. But with our business resource groups, you can break across those silos. We're connecting because of a common area, whether it's race, whether it's ethnicity or gender, um, sexual identity, regardless of business line, regardless of service, regardless of role, we're connecting because we have a different commonality. And then because of that commonality, like women, when they get together, there are certain challenges we experience as women. And having colleagues in the network that I can talk to people about those issues of work in a way that's safe. It's it's so empowering, and so we do that through our so business going across groups. instead of going in your business unit or wherever right. you're going across right. your your peer group or your social. Right. And then we also look at operational things, like are our policies equitable? Are they fair? We also want to look at things like what are we doing from a recruiting perspective to ensure that we're bringing in just those traditional groups of minorities that we aren't somehow continuing this pattern of being mostly male and mostly white, which if you look at the AICPA trends report, the last one I think came out in 2017, so I eagerly await the next one. But as of that last report, partners in CPA firms were 77% male and 95% white. So we've got to be doing something so that 15 years from now, that's different. So throwing the bottom, but getting college graduates, right? the diversity there, and that'll naturally bubble up 15 years from now, hopefully. I mean, that's the assumption. This is that. That's the assumption. And the work we're doing in DNI, not just me, not at Grant Thornton, but I think DNI broadly is looking at patterns, looking at trends. For example, is there a challenge in the public accounting space for women to go from manager to partner? Is Do we notice across the entire profession that women tend to leave public accounting 
and that's why they're more men and partners at the partner level. Is there something we can do about that? And so, you know, from a DNI perspective, that's the kind of conversation that we want to have and explore and look and better understand. But I also think that where I'd love to see the diversity conversation go is looking at the people we have today and asking ourselves, have we really empowered them to, to really get outside of that box? So, for example, I've said this before. If, if you imagine a room with 100 men in it, people would say that's not a diverse space. I would challenge that. And I would say there is difference of style. There's difference of experience. There's difference of role. There's difference of um, process and thinking, background. Some of those people might be immigrants. And if you could, if it was a visible difference, then we would have said, oh, there's diversity in the room, but it's invisible. The other thing is, and this is true in public accounting, my bias is about to show, so I'll admit that. There's no opinions ever on this podcast. (laughs) I would argue that when the white guy gets to show up as his self and not some stereotype version that he thinks he needs to comply with or, 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 or align himself with, now we can have an honest conversation because if the white guy who loves to dance or a gay man who is still in the closet or a white guy who didn't speak English when he was born um, and only learned to speak English, but nobody knows it's like these kinds of secrets when they can come out and be safe. And when they're accepted, when we allow for the diversity among them, that group, I'm a black woman only then will I stand a snowball's chance in hell because diversity has to be true for all of us. Right. And so far the diversity conversation tends to exclude white men. And I think we need to include white men and we need to talk about diversity holistically and get beyond the superficial because the visible stuff is easy. It's the invisible stuff that's hard. And we have more invisible stuff than we have it's a great. I'm so glad you're here. It's, a, it's an interesting point of view that I've never heard before. I haven't seen out there before. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on to discuss that. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TOA Global. As you know, most firms struggle with attracting, managing, and retaining staff. And finding staff is getting tougher every day. This is where TOA Global can help. TOA Global is the most professional outsourcing partner to help you build and manage a global accounting team. By building a global team, you'll be able to take away the time-consuming process-oriented work from your local team while building a cost-effective team offshore. As people experts, TOA Global can help you select and develop your best team members easily using their expert ecosystem of people, security, technology, and professional development tools. To learn how to build your world-class team today, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash TOA Global. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash T-O-A-G-L-O-B-A-L. I think a few weeks ago, Sage had their uh, their annual... They- they uh, survey 3,000 firms of different sizes and they put out. And I think if I remember the stat correctly, um, like when I talked about in the podcast a few weeks back, only 25% or maybe less than 25% have even a diversity plan. Is it important for, for firms to have that or not? Like, how, how do you digest that number? Like, mm-hmm. I, me, I feel like it's too low in, in 19, 2019 or 2019. It's just way too low. Yeah, I find that puzzling. I hadn't heard that. Stat. So now, of course, I'm going to have to go back and look that up. Um, I'm sure it's I'm in not the su- show notes somewhere. <laughs> well, but I'm not surprised. And I say that because um, even if you just look at the top 50, 50 
CPA firms. There aren't that many that have the role that I have. I'm grateful that Grant Thornton even has a role like this. And, and there are two of us actually focused on diversity full-time at Grant Thornton. I think that the profession means well, but we don't yet understand the value of diversity from the perspective I was just talking about. I don't mean it in the traditional, in the, in the legacy sense. I mean it in allowing people to show up differently, work differently, think differently, provide different types of services. I mean, we're struggling still to get people to get, work in a cloud. I mean, we're not a, we're not a profession that changes <laughs> we, we quickly. We definitely discussed that on the podcast. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and we tend to like to just keep doing, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just because it ain't broke doesn't mean it's right. And I think that getting people to think about diversity until we get past it being, uh, we need to hire so many minorities out of the total people that we hire. Because I think all firms think about that. But we don't think about the diversity of thinking that goes into the work that we offer. We don't think about the diversity of teams that show up and serve a client. We don't think about the different ways that we could be leveraging the diversity of style, approach, thinking, methodology, and background and experience to deliver results for clients. We don't think about how diversity will make us better in the results. I think we just think about diversity in the legacy sense. And so I'm not surprised, long answer, sorry. I'm not surprised at the stat. And I think when we get people doing diversity in every firm, not from an HR perspective, which is even my role as an HR currently, but doing it from an operations and innovation um, and a client service perspective, thinking about how does the inclusive mindset and diverse approaches and styles inform culture, process, service line, output, branding, messaging, like all of that stuff, that's way beyond HR. This is so much more than HR. And then you know? and I think you're right, like with this being a numbers business, everybody just wants to count the numbers. Yeah. So we, and this is a hard thing to count. This is a hard thing to count. Well, there are, there are analytics you can do, it just, but there's other data that we're going to need to start capturing, which as CPA firms, we haven't always historically captured that kind of data. So any, um, cause I, I think a lot of, uh, people like that are attending scaling new heights or a lot of listeners of this podcast tend to be smart firms, mm -hmm. right? So if you have a solo firm or you have two or three employees, is there any tips you can give to smaller firms who obviously cannot have a position like you have, like they, there's not a big enough firm to have that ways they can, uh, just be more conscious of diversity. Like, is it a policy? Is it a mindset? Yeah. Two things come to mind. First is one, small firms are at a disadvantage, if you're thinking about diversity, that they want to have different groups represented in their employee base. I say, think of it differently. Look at your employees, whether you have two of them or 10 of them, or whatever the size of your firm, look at personality styles, look at background, look at experience, and try to see how different is the group. I mean, I just had a session this morning on understanding, like she went through the DISC profile and how understanding personality helps cl with client communication. Well, Part of that required understanding the different personalities in your own office. So you could be a group of six women. If you looked at yourself in terms of background, style, experience, all the things I keep mentioning, you're probably way more diverse. And then you can lean into that diversity to use it to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Because otherwise, you're just another accountant. And this morning, one of the speakers on the main stage said something to the effect of, if I'm looking out at a thousand accountants and bookkeepers... And all you're telling me is the stuff that validates that you're an accountant. How do I make the difference? How do I make a choice? You don't lean into uh, the stereotype of the accountant in the traditional sense. 
leverage your diversity and say, accountant, I do that stuff really well. But here's the type of thinking that I'll bring to you. Give them a why. Share your perspective. Leverage your diversity to develop that. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I would say is when you're looking at um, diversity, if you can't find it in an employee pool per se, look outside. Look at your outside contractors. Do you have independent contractors? Do you have any form of mentors or coaches? Do you have any type of uh, advisory board, for, especially if you're a small firm owner, because you know your employees won't give you feedback? So maybe having an advisory board or a group of trusted clients that you can go to for feedback so and looking at diversity, diversity there. To, to give you different perspectives right. and points of view. That you right. wouldn't otherwise get in your immediate pool. Great. And then just make sure you're not hiring a bunch of people that look and think and act like you. because It's robots, which is yeah. kind of the... Accounting industry. <laughs> I think we're more, I think we're more diverse than we give ourselves credit for. I just That's think good. we we don't talk about this because as accountants we're trained and branded to be reserved and quiet, and we keep our opinions to ourselves. Uh, so, Jenna, if people want to get a hold of you, get in touch with you, learn more, maybe share thoughts, what's mm-hmm. the best way for people to get in touch with you? LinkedIn is good, and Twitter. I'm at Miss Tax Cat. My former life, I was a tax person for 26 Ms. years. Miss Tax Cat. Miss Tax Cat on Twitter. Okay. And of course, you can message me on LinkedIn. Um, if you send me an invite, please put in the message something like "I heard you on the podcast, want to connect more." Yes, put that in. For a sure. lot of people get <laughs> a lot of people get you know send LinkedIn invites. You don't know who they are, so Perfect. happy to connect. Awesome! Thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, those of you who want to get in touch with me, I'm at David Leary on Twitter, and I think that's a wrap for CEO New Heights. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Bye, everybody. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by LifePlan. Did you know that millions of small businesses use LivePlan products to start their business? Did you know that these small businesses prefer a cloud-based accounting solution two times more versus a desktop solution? Did you know that 89% of these small business owners prefer virtual advisory services? Did you know that the number one thing they want from an expert advisor is strategic planning and review? This is even more than general ledger accounting and bookkeeping services. Did you know that LivePlan has an expert advisory directory that you can join to gain access to these millions of small businesses? To learn more about becoming a life plan expert advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash life plan. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash L-I-V-E-P-L-A-N. And be sure to check out the life plan method to learn how to grow and scale your advisory business.